Welcome again to Goyfire. Are we live? Did we pause the audition then? (laughs) (laughs) What's going on? I have things turned down all over the place here, and that stuff is still coming through. So whatever, you know. (laughs) I'm sorry. We'll work these bugs out. You know, Stan. Okay. (laughs) Don't fire me. There's 10,000 of them, but there's 100,000 of us. It's like the early days of television. It's fine. Yeah, that's funny. I was reading about that Fessenden who invented the radio, I guess, even more so than Marconi yesterday. And one white guy with the idea, man, it's amazing. That's what moves the world. Uh-huh. So, yeah, we get we get started. There's some, it only emphasizes how much perfect and, and better it will be later. It's always good to have a few little challenges. Right. Uh, At least there's room to improve. Exactly. Did the topics go through, or should I just... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Give, give us this, a rundown, a quick rundown of them again. Okay. Uh, In case anyone listening missed it. Well, first off, welcome to Goyfire Live. We will be revisiting <laughs> Australia, uh, <laughs> as well as uh, Belgium, Flams Belang, uh, Quartz Jews. This is a development there we'll be discover- uh, covering in depth. We have also have... A TJB story, Jew Death Squad Avengers, featured in an is broadcast. TNB, Groy Driver gets 40 days for killing a white girl. Nola Groids make Houston a slum. And an African in France assaults a teacher. And if that wasn't enough, we have a race war in L.A., Brown versus Brown. So stay tuned, listener. There's a lot to talk about tonight. Brown versus Brown or Brown versus Black in L.A.? Yeah, it's not a legal battle. It's it's an urban gang warfare. All right. But it sounds good. Brown versus Brown, I like that. All right. Okay. Um... Now, is Baron in the studio right now? I'm going to prep the uh, Australian story, but uh, it would be great if he could hear it as well. Uh, Stan is our special guest, uh, plugged in. Okay, what we're going to have here, I I believe, and Aegis, correct me if I'm wrong, have someone from Australia to speak about the uh, riots on on the beaches there. Is it it Cronula, Cronula? I haven't seen any TV on it, just a couple of uh, stills in the articles about it. But anyway, the, the beach where the whites stood up to the Lebanese scum who gang rape and attack whites uh, with the media covering up for them. Uh, that's correct. Uh, just to give our listeners a bit of background in case they haven't been following this, um, 
After two Anglo-Australian lifeguards were assaulted by a group of Lebanese-Australian men on Sydney's Cronulla Beach earlier this month, some 5,000 young Anglo-Australians descended on the sands, attacking everyone who looked Middle Eastern. Revenge followed. Convoys of Lebanese men rampaged through Canula with baseball bats, smashing windshields and storefronts. Lebanese-looking men were set upon in other Australian cities. Politicians shut down the beaches and enacted a series of strict laws to quell the unrest. Amazingly, no one was killed, but police were still seizing weapons caches this week. So basically the rioting was done by the Lebanese. The white was a spontaneous uprising on the beach in anger at the latest outrage committed by the Lebanese, but then they got together a flotilla of cars and uh, rampaged through neighborhood, white neighborhoods destroying stuff. Now you think about that. You think about how much confidence they have to have to assemble all those people and all those cars and know that they can get away with it. Can you imagine whites trying to do that in the U.S.? They would open fire with automatic machine guns. That's redundant, but but uh, just regularly, the police are not allowed to exert their authority in colored areas. Whereas a white human one of these articles verbal verbal. You Alex, know, one of these articles insults. said the police were afraid to come out of their stations. Even well, that's how it is nowadays. Yeah. They, it's like in France, they ceded control of these neighborhoods to the colors. Whereas if you make one little verbal statement, they throw you, you know, they throw you in jail and throw away the key. We're not allowed to get away with anything verbally. They're allowed to get away with physical attacks. Can't come out rhetorically, can't come out physically. No, no verbal criticism of them from us and, and verbal and physical attacks from them against us it seems to be the rule. And, and we have to resist it. Have we, have we got uh, Baron Von Hund on there? Yeah, good afternoon, guys. Well, good evening, I guess, uh, over your time. Hello, brother. How are you? Nice to have you. Yeah, here. welcome Thank to Goyfire. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity. Do you have the background here? or Why don't, why don't you tell us a little about where you're from in Australia and what your perspective is on these, these so-called riots? Well, um, I'm on the other side of Australia in Perth, uh, the west side of Australia. Um, I first heard about Cronulla uh, off uh, Stormfront. A few guys, white nationalists there, told us about it, organising people to come down. We, uh, we had a protest uh, organised down at Perth, but uh, the police were stopping everyone. I included, I was stopped and threatened with arrest for having an Australian flag. Uh, they said that I was inciting racial hatred on the beach. Oh, that's interesting. So um, that's uh, yeah. I mean, and that's happened to a number because there was that's happened to a number of people uh, from around Australia that are being pulled up because they're holding the Australian flag at these beaches and being uh, uh, accused of inciting racial violence. And the new laws are being put in place that if anyone does incite racial violence, they could look up to a fifteen-year jail sentence. Uh, of course, <laughs> I mean, if we have a look at the truth of the matter. Um, the the riot. I mean, there was a peaceful protest by 5,000 Australians, and there was only a couple of assaults, probably no more than the, the expected for the day. But what followed was just uh, total terror by the Middle Eastern uh, neighbourhood. They all gathered at a local mosque, 
about a uh, hundred or so Middle Easterns, uh, Middle Easterners, particularly Lebanese, that night, and they descended on the town with, as as was said, with baseball bats, knives, and even guns. They shot at police through Molotov cocktails. They uh, dragged women out of cars and threatened to gang rape them. They even, uh, there was an incident where one guy was grabbed out of his car and stabbed him back. Uh, but no charges have been brought against any of these crimes on that particular day. So this was it's Perth uh, or certainly an interesting state of affairs that we face here. This was in Sydney, yeah. In Perth, we've uh, had no reported assaults yet on the Lebanese community. Or, but yeah. um, I mean, what's interesting? I mean, what's interesting about this is the media are saying that um, it's white racism, it's uh, white supremacists, it's neo-Nazis. I mean, every excuse under the sun to avoid the truth of the matter, which is that in the Sutherland Shire, which Cronulla Beach is. There were over 6,000 assaults in that, uh, in that period, 1,000 sexual assaults, uh, 1,000 robberies, and 46,000 acts of theft. And we know that, wow. yeah, and we know that the Lebanese are, are convicted of crime three more times than any Australian, and they also rape at double the rate of Australian citizens. So, and 26% of youth gangs in the area are Lebanese. Uh, I think 40-something percent are Asian. Wow, you know, you know what you're, you're, what you're telling me and, and all of us here at Goyfire in our audience is exactly what a real reporter would tell us. And yet, what the only <laughs> stuff that came out of this riot and made its way around the world was these photos of the whites punching a couple of Lebanese. So we wouldn't know any of this context if we. I didn't. didn't hear I didn't hear this. anything about Molotov cocktails that I in reports I'd read. No, they didn't. They, they only showed photos of the whites hitting the Lebanese. They didn't show any of the, the riot photos of the set upon riot. was the language set upon Alex. Yeah, the whites were setting upon the the, the poor colors. But, but yeah, the, those but are the we photos just, that made their way around the world. Yeah. That's right, and, and and that's what's the joke is. I mean, we had. I mean, for example, if we were to suggest that the European, the white European Australians that protested that day at Cronulla Beach. It was the same level of criminality the Lebanese community had been doing to that area for the last, say, five years, um, or even 12 months for that matter. Um, we had 63 gang rapes, for example, uh, just last year alone, uh, of which 40, uh, sorry, 60% uh, was the Lebanese community alone. Um, the, probably the majority of the rest of it was uh, Aboriginal. But these things aren't being reported. And as I said, I mean, what's classic is we hear um, now reports in the news newspapers about the continual rights in Cronulla, and they're not referring them to as Middle Eastern people. They're referring them to as youths. So if anyone reads the news articles uh, based on the previous news reports, they'll just assume that those youths are young white Australians, yeah. uh, which isn't the case. I mean, the... The police are being shot at. I mean, the police station in. Uh, yes. exa it's exactly the same as what we're seeing in France. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. This is no different to France. I mean, we've had over uh, 100 cars torched and burned, destroyed. We've had um, many women uh, abused with, and then possibly even sexually assaulted, which hasn't been reported. Yeah. Um, by Australian youth. We've had, right? uh, by Australian youth, nothing. not by a colour. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. That's the way they're reporting it. And uh, that's, what, that's what's really annoying. And um, so, well, well, I mean, a prime example, uh, there was one guy, uh, uh, an Australian guy, who uh, got arrested for holding a tree branch, and he got four months put in jail. Now, I'll give you the example of what the, to, to clarify that, is that uh, the police uh, approached a, a gang of 20 men, 20 Lebanese or Middle Easterners at least, in the streets, all armed with baseball bats, and all that happened to them is that they had the baseball bats confiscated. Yet a man, a white European, carrying a tree branch, gets him put in jail for four months. Wow. And so there's an incredible double standard. 
in Australia and everywhere else. Incredible Spanish. And, and describe yeah, it's, the, it's, can you describe the, uh, the political, legal context? I understand that, you know, basically you can't criticize minorities in, in Australia without getting thrown in, in jail, kind of like in Europe. That's right. That's right. What we've got is these, um, they came under the guise of anti-terrorism laws. The idea is uh, these terrorism laws and sedition laws were meant to protect the Australian community from acts of terror, but the legislation never defined what acts of was or what even a terrorist was, so it was open up to government interpretation. And so what's mm-hmm. happened is it's come to the point that if you criticise the government in any kind of protest where they think, they just have to think, you don't have to do, that you just think that you're going to commit violence and they can arrest you for two weeks without bail, without warrant, without anything. Uh, and uh, I think I read that um, you're not even allowed to tell your family members though when you're arrested by these laws. Or they can be too charged under the sedition laws. Mm-hmm. Um, we see that, um, for example, the guys, there was an SMS message which originally started after the bashing of the lifeguards, uh, the final straw, if you will, in the area. And uh, that went... To to a few thousand people which organised, which they say organised the protest. Now those teenagers which have uh, sent those messages are looking at 10 years jail for inciting racial violence in Australia. Now not one of those Lebanese uh, writers have been arrested or even charged with any type of criminal offence despite what they've done. Yet a person who sent a message saying come to the beach and protest is going to be charged with a 10 year offence. What's classic about this? Mm-hmm. We know what's classic about this is that we have uh, the Premier um, Morris Diemer, and he's Lebanese himself. So he's the one going around into the newspaper saying it's Australian racism, it's Australians riding up against the peaceful, poor Lebanese community. I mean, uh, we can't expect much when the Premier of the state is one of them. <laughs> yeah, and what? What's the media environment here? Can you describe that for uh, Americans and European audience? Well, the media environment, I mean, it's, I, mean uh, I was very sceptical of the Jewish involvement in Australian media, but after the Cronulla Beach protests, we can see that we certainly do have Jewish elements. Um, uh, you know, the... I mean, it was just a week after the riots that they were, they were trying to look for scapegoats to suggest so the media was starting up the great ploy that neo-Nazis and white supremacists were behind the protests. Um, and, I mean, what, what's stupid about that is, is they're, they're, they're turning this into a racial issue. The media is trying to turn it into a, a racial issue when ultimately the people at the Cronulla Breach protested against the level of criminality. I mean, I'm sure if it was a bunch of people from England uh, doing the same level of crime, the Australians would have stood up and said, go home, pom. But it just so happens that it is Lebanese. It mm. is Lebanese, and, and that's why they said, uh, go home, Lebanese. That's why they said, with particular Lebanese. And uh, because they said that, automatically the media's turned it into this massive race war. Everything's going, the Australians are racist, neo-Nazis are supreme, the white supremacists. I mean, if anyone can believe that neo-Nazism or white supremacism is so powerful in Australia that it can organise a protest of over 7,000 people on a day, well, quite frankly, I mean, that's what, 7,000 neo-Nazi sympathisers in Australia? Do they honestly believe that's the case? Mm. I mean, it's, it's the, it, they, the, the media are just... They're distorting the facts. They're forgetting about the level of criminality that started this protest. 
and uh, the protesters, as I said, on the protesters, there was, there was no more than 10 arrests that day. It was probably an average day for the police. But mm -hmm. if 7,000 Lebanese turned out to protest, I'll guarantee you there would be gang rapes, murders, uh, vicious assaults, knifings. I mean, because we had 100 take to the street, and we had that as well. So we could only imagine what 7,000 of them would do. But yeah. um, the media has been ex extremely biased, extremely biased, and it is really trying to paint it up as Australian racism, which is well, certainly now, not the case. Have, have you seen any single media figure come forward and take the white side of this, i.e. the Australian side, or has it been uniformly? Well, no, it's really the media outlets are all uh, screaming racism. Um, I mean, for example, they advertised the fact, which I, it blew me away, after the Cronulla protests, there was 43 lodges to the Racial Discrimination Board of New South Wales, 43, they're doubling from the previous month, all relating to the Cronulla Beach protests. I thought to myself, okay, how many white Europeans wrote off to that Racial Discrimination Board for the gang rapes, the murders, the... I mean, I mean, and I do mean murders. I mean, these guys have committed murder in the last five years, these Lebanese gangs, and, and that's not even reported in the papers. The only way I found that out is by actually getting to the federal police directly and asking them for criminal statistics. Mm -hmm. um, there was not, not even in the papers. Murders. There was something like 15 murders. And it's not in the papers. For example, there were 63 gang rapes, 63 gang rapes last year, and only five were reported in the media. So, so it's this the is media a brave behind. new white world. Well, Very much. So. They're not going to report facts. The, as basically yeah, they, they simply don't. That's, yeah. Now, what's well, classic is that um, one, one of the big, biggest stories that came out recently is that they caught so-called white supremacists down at the beach with 25 litres of petrol and apparently some condoms. And the issue was is that they were making condom fuel bombs, you believe that. And um, this was during the day. And those guys have been arrested. Uh, two, I think two of the guys have been arrested, or maybe three. And they're looking at uh, serious prison time just for being at the beach with those Molotov cocktails. But again, I say we had over 100 Lebanese or Middle Easterners uh, arriving at a mosque the day after the protest and the night after the protest armed with weapons and took to the streets and vandalised and destroyed and, and uh, corrupted uh, a peaceful neighbourhood and not one of them was charged yet. When two guys go down to the beach with some petrol, they're looking at 10, 15 years jail. Mm -hmm. Right. I also I heard mean, reports, Baron, uh, they had Glock uh, pistols and and other no. things. These, well, these I think were Muslim, Mus the Muslims uh, that after the the day after Cronulla, uh, they were armed with pistols and whatnot and. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. They shot up the, uh, I think it's Lacumba, I think it's pronounced, police station. Uh, I couldn't believe there was actually a report on it. But what's classic enough is the report didn't suggest it was a Middle Eastern that shot at the police station. Of course, I rang the police station and found out from a constable there that it was Muslim guys. In fact, there was about 20 of them in four carloads that pulled out of the front of the police station and shot at it. And, uh, and the police, of course, didn't do anything. It's not like the police ran out of that police station and opened fire on those guys. They simply allowed them to leave. Um, I mean, this is, this is what I, I mean, for example, I mean, if, I went, I mean if, if you or I went out to the street today with 20 of our mates, smashed up some cars, threatened some women, stabbed some people, we would go to jail for at least 25 years, easy. We'd be, we'd be locked up and we'd never see the sun again. But when the Middle Easterners do it, it's called retaliation. 
I mean, retaliation to what? 7,000 people saying, fuck off, lebs? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean uh, how does that justify the, the wanton destruction um, and continued criminality um, from peaceful protests? And the people like, as I said, the Premier, even the Police Commissioner of all people, um, are not admitting that uh, the protests were because of criminality. They're ignoring the criminality of the Middle Easterners that occurred after the protest. And all the media are reporting is white supremacists and um, the people that did the SMS messages and those who turned out to the beaches in Australia worldwide on a protest and, and how disgusting that was. But not one of them is game enough uh, to attack the Middle Eastern community and say, well, Australians said enough is enough and the Lebanese community need to sort themselves out. Um, the media has been absolutely shocking. And as I said, now, now that we're, we're two weeks after the, uh, the riots and we're in our Christmas period, what we're hearing is the news reporting saying it's uh, youth. It's no, we've lost the Middle Eastern tag. The only time that you hear about race is if it's a white person. If it's, uh, then it's a white premise or something. Um, but uh, if, it's, uh, if the media are reporting Middle Eastern crime now, they just simply refer to them as youth. So the media is um, definitely avoiding the toe. I mean, and understandably, I mean, according to the government, the media could even be held accountable for inciting racial violence uh, simply by stating the facts. Uh, these new wow. sedition laws and terrorism laws are, um, are really, really a joke. I did a radio broadcast about them, a 10-minute broadcast, um, which try to just try and inform people about it, but yeah, I mean, the idea is that if you speak out race, uh, against someone, there's racial vilification laws which were established in the 1980s, and uh, that can carry a 10-year period, a uh, two-year minimum upwards to 10 years, and all you have to do is so-called vilify another race. Now, what I find amazing about that is uh, I've taken. I'll take you an example as there was a, uh, uh, an infamous gang rape that happened in Sydney by the Lenny's community, which is uh, one of the other reasons why Cronulla sparked up. I mean, they face so many things, these guys. And, cause, I mean, Sydney takes on, I think it's something ridiculous like 10% um, uh, of the immigration of New South Wales, and that's increased by 25% over the last 10 years, which means there's been over 10,000 Lebanese, which is 30% of immigration intake into that country. There's about 30, uh, into, sorry, into Sydney alone. So it means that um, these guys are heavily inundated. The majority of the Middle Easterners settle in Sydney. So that's why Sydney's got a lot of prime, problems. But the there was a vicious gang rape of about 10 men on two women. And during this gang rape, they called them uh, Aussie slut. I'm going to fuck you lead style. Um, you're a white cunt. Uh, I mean, all just disgusting and terrible language being used against these two after a six hour being held by knives at their throats, threatened to be killed, threatened with violence. So, I mean, raped by ten guys, and then at the end of a six hour ordeal, were hit by a hose to remove the DNA evidence. Now, not one of these Lebanese guys, sure enough, they got caught and uh, they were given some hefty sentences. Some of them got 28 years and so forth, but not one of them was charged on racial vilification. Not one of them was charged on the anti-terrorism laws or sedation laws for inciting racial hatred or violence. Yet, mm -hmm. I'll guarantee it, if 10 European men raped a Lebanese woman, that 100 years for racial vilification, they would never hear the end of it. And, uh, yeah. and it's these double standards that Australians are getting sick and tired of, and uh, that's why Cronulla did what it did. Are you risking... Are you risking a 10-year sentence just by speaking truth over international computer airwaves, so to speak, 
Is it that bad? Yes, I yes I am. I'm, I'm I can be held accountable for racial vilification laws um, simply by stating the facts. My argument is, is that the facts that I get are directly from the police and government. So if I'm charged with racial vilification, well, you'll have to charge the police and government too. They've provided me with the information. But uh, yeah, I'm certainly, I'm certainly uh, tiptoeing the line with uh, racial vilification laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's so many parallels uh, to this story. Uh, we really do see... I mean, we've been covering these types of things uh, in in the U.S. and Canada. Practically every goy fire, uh, the one-sided slant of the media uh, in in Canada, they also have similar uh, laws uh, that that work only against whites and and for uh, foreigners. Um, and uh, there's just so many parallels that I'm sure our listeners are 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 just astounded at the extent of these parallels in in such a distant country. Um, it almost sounds as if uh, there's a conspiracy uh, to it. With, exactly with, without problem. doubt. Go ahead. So without doubt, there's a conspiracy. I mean, the, 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 I mean the, I mean again, if Europeans in Australia were committing the crime at the level of these non-European immigrants, Australia would be in a state of civil war. I mean, um, we, uh, for example, uh, Martin Bryant, who was in Tasmania, he shot up a few people, and they put in gun law restriction because of this incident. And odd enough, homicides uh, have, have decreased somewhat because of these new firearm laws, yet um, the Middle Eastern community has access to guns on the black market. And uh, there was uh, some t- uh, 2,000 thefts of firearms in uh, Sydney alone. Uh, so it's, the, the firearm laws are stopping the Europeans from getting arms to fight the criminals, and the criminals are getting illegal weapons by stealing them through the black market and shooting us up. So, you know... And the police are doing nothing, so it makes me feel that um, there's some hidden agenda that is protecting these non-European immigrants in our country from the levels of crime, in that as soon as they commit it, they have a perfect scapegoat. We don't fit in. I mean, one guy uh, this, uh, who was the leader of the Lebanese community said that the, the Lebanese people are feeling that they don't belong in this country and that they don't fit in. Well, I mean, what does he expect when they commit three times the level of crime than any other Australian? Uh, as I said, if these were English people, if these were Scottish people, if these were French people, Australia would still stand up and say enough is enough. It just so happens to uh, be that it is non-Europeans, and uh, we see that their massive criminality, uh, and it, it is massive. I mean, as I said, I mean, there's uh, Vietnamese people, for example, are six times more likely to be a drug dealer. Um, 83% of organised crime in Australia is non-European. Um, of which 43%, sorry, 40% of that is Middle Eastern alone, uh, particularly in the Sydney and Melbourne regions. But um, the thing that we face in Australia today is that we can't speak out about these issues without being labelled a racist. And then, of course, if you're someone like myself, who is an open white nationalist, you're called a neo-Nazi or white supremacist, uh, despite the fact that you are. Yet a Lebanese person can commit crime, call race. I mean, the Lebanese call us skips. Um, uh, skips obviously got something to do with kangaroos, I guess. Um, 
and they uh, racially vilified people on the Cronulla Beach in particular, calling them skits and the women Aussie sluts and all this type of stuff. Yet, <coughs> excuse me, not one uh, person on Sydney has set up a, um, a charge of racial vilification. And in fact, one lady who did do it, I know of, uh, was laughed at the fact that she, uh, she found uh, that she was being racially vilified uh, because she was being called uh, certain names by the Middle Eastern community. It was laughed out of court. You and there was European abusing these women. Those guys would be held in contempt. I mean, these guys would go for a long time. So, um, now, Cronulla, the, the one thing that really annoys me about the world's perception of the Cronulla protests, and that's what they were, protests, is that they're calling them riots. They're making it sound that the Europeans rioted against the cr criminality. But as I said, there was a few drunk people, no more than 10 arrests and a few assaults. And that was followed up by at least 100 different assorted crimes by the Middle Eastern community. And yet not one thing was said about it. And the, I mean, I've got guys from around the world um, asking me about um, uh, did, was there protests around Australia, but what happened is the protests around Australia didn't happen in relation to Cronulla uh, Beach or the, you know, the, the so-called unification of white Australians standing up because the police threatened uh, protesters with imprisonment, but they didn't threaten the Lebanese community with imprisonment over their rights. In fact, they're just accepting it. They're calling it retaliation. I mean, how is grabbing a, a, a woman out of a car, 20 of them, 20 Lebanese Jews grabbing a woman out of a car threatening to gang rape her on the street in broad daylight with a knife is called retaliation? That's, a, that's, yeah. that's racial, that's a, it's a criminal offence, it's, it's, it's terrorism, it's, and yet uh, they go free. No one says a word of it. Yeah. Well, that's a stark picture. What, what, what do you see going forward from these... Uh, well, the, to be, the whole well, to be honest... Star scenario. Well, to be honest, I can't see the, the, the level of criminality decreasing by the Middle East and all Lebanese communities in the area because simply nothing's been done to stop it. Um, the Australians have been really gagged on their ability to protest um, because of the media. I mean, basically, if I write off to the media and say, you know, rah, 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 they're going to say, oh, well, Baron von Hun, the racist. Um, the government are going to write back to me and say, we live in a multicultural society, why don't you accept these people? And again, they forget about the crime. It, it's been, I mean, prior to the, so the other thing is, prior to immigration of these type of people, these non-Europeans, in Australia we had the problem with our Aboriginals. And for many years, uh, basically after the, the 1940s, after World War II, criticism of Aboriginal criminality, um, became a bad thing in the media. You can't talk about Aboriginals, they're poor, oppressed people. Look what the white man's done to them, rah, rah, rah. And so that sort of stigmatised the Australian back in the uh, 40s and 50s, um, so much so that they remained silent for a good 30 to 40 years worth of criminality. That's why I was so excited when they stood up. But what I fear now is that the media and the police and the government are putting so much pressure on the Australians with racial vilification laws, sedition laws, so forth, that they may never speak out again. They may just return to that apathetic state of some 30 years ago. And that sort of frightens me. Um, so I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to encourage people to write off and make phone calls and so forth and to protest in the streets. But um, we, us Australians are really 
in a hard place. We've got a government against us, we've got the media against us, and we've got the police against us. Uh, you know, these three parties, the government, the media, and the police, will make us an example before they'll make any immigrant an example. As I said, the, you know, these gang rapes that happened, not one person talked about racial vilification or racism for those crimes. Yet when 7,000 people take to the streets and protest peacefully against criminality, they're racists, rioters, and troublemakers. And so, they really emphasize um, that they were... A really they really emphasize that they were drunk, and in the media we get over here, they uh, they, they continue to say, oh, yeah. they're drunk, and there were 200 drunk re ringleaders, and, and just... The, no, I mean, that's... Yeah, and that's absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. I'm not saying there wasn't drunks there. I'm not saying there wasn't assaults. There was certainly a few things that happened. Uh, I mean, what was one classic thing that did happen is uh, the media reported a Lebanese woman was set upon by a gang and beaten. But if you see the footage, as I have, it's actually three Australian women beating up the uh, Lebanese woman. And uh, so they, they made it sound like it was a bunch of drunken men that did it. <laughs> but it was yeah. just, a, you know, a cat fight. <laughs> But um, the, 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 there were certainly elements of drunkenness there. There were certainly... Sorry? No, I was just going to say that, that it's so typical, the way that they, they simply lie. And I, I think I want Goyfire listeners to get that through their heads. It's not just here and, and in France and in Europe. It's in Australia, too. They simply make stuff up. You can't believe it. Very much so. Very it's, much so. I mean... You've given us a fascinating uh, first... Well, well... You know, at least local account of what's actually going on. And gee, it's nothing like what they reported over here in the states. Well, uh, I'll tell you. I'll give you another example. Uh, coming on Stormfront, uh, as you may know, that the farm uh, there was a, there was a guy called uh, James uh, J and his nicknames. Uh, he was down at the Cronulla beaches and he videotaped the protests and he made up an interesting video, which I believe you guys are now hosting. Mm -hmm. um, uh, which con uh, con uh, contains a screwdriver song uh, about the race war and so forth, and it shows you the Australian uh, protest. Mm -hmm. Well, the Premier is calling upon that video to be banned and the person who made it to be prosecuted under racial vilification laws and racial incitement. So, I mean, Jane, the guy who just went out there with the camera, took some pictures <laughs> and put a music to him, could be looking at 10 years in prison. Just oh, simply yeah. for taking footage. He didn't, he didn't yeah, speak in the video. It's not like you watch that video. Mm -hmm. let, let me take this opportunity to invite any Australians who witness Cronulla or anything like it that occurs in the next few weeks, and a few months, or a few years. Please send VNN those videos. And I think yeah, uh, I may see yeah. Let, let me back that up and say, just as we've had uh, guests from other areas where there are speech crime and hate crime laws that prevent you from speaking the truth, VNN uh, Canada is a good example of that. Uh, we will we will host any video, any any speech, any any radio you want to do that reports on the truth about what's going on in your censored country. So yeah, get it to us and we'll get it up there. We don't care about the goddamn laws of Australia or Canada, okay? And we we want to get this. <laughs> this is great. I mean, it's horrible stuff that we're hearing, but it's it's so great to hear an honest to god reporter telling us what's going on. And that's what yeah, white you ever notice the high exactly. quality of white nationalists worldwide when when we, they come on, you hear them speak, Lawrence Dennis, it's just amazing. The quality yeah, of you human can't, beings. You can't get the stuff in the reason. New York Times where they're telling you what actually happened. I for the first time now I feel like I really know what happened. I, I could have kind of guessed it, because I know the Jewish patterns of deception in the media, but it, it's awfully interesting to hear firsthand here's what's actually going on in Australia. 
And by God, it's the same thing that we see in all these other countries. It's a coordinated opposition we face. Coordinated suppression. Well, uh, let me let me give you another statistic that I found out from the aftermath of the Cronulla protests. Now they they say that the the Australians were the drunken, violent riots. It was just disgusting, and oh, what a it just brought great shame to Australia. Now the following day, Buckle Bay, Darling Harbour area, which is just um, near Cronulla, there was a report of 43 bashings, which included uh, women, and even one woman was stabbed. Now, that wasn't put in the papers. That wasn't recorded in the papers. There's been no charges laid. And, um, uh, and that was, as I said, 43 bashings. And yet there was only a few bashings on the, the Cronulla protest. And yet that got world headlines. Yet the yeah. follow-up of the Middle East, and there's 43 bashings in one day, just one day, 43 assaults, including women, didn't receive an iota of media coverage. So, again... Yeah. The media are towing that line, but it's all Australian racism. Right. Well, and here we see. All we get over here. Right, Alex. You're you're fond of saying you have to fight the reporter for the story, but what we're seeing here is even much more than that. Uh, they're banking uh, on the fact that most of the world isn't in Cronulla, and that they can just protocol this incident. Uh, the precise way they want to protocol it and uh, brush 43 assaults under the rug uh, and highlight uh, whatever it was six or or so three assaults the previous day yeah they've focused on showing photos of wild-eyed whites and whites punching someone who appears to have slightly darker skin and that is basically all that has made the AP wires worldwide when they could just as easily have taken photos of rampaging cars full of Lebanese wielding baseball bats and, 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 and hacking in car windshields and the like. They could do that. They make a specific choice to make white people look bad. Okay? And these are the same people controlling the immigration policies who let these Lebanese into Australia just as they let the, the Muslims into France and they let the Mexicans into the U.S. They're trying to destroy us. Very, very much so. I mean, the it's it's obvious that the, the, there is a Jewish infiltration in Australia's media, uh, particularly through um, uh, Rupert Murdoch, who you guys probably know through Foxtel yeah. and whatnot. Sure. Um, but it's owned by Kerry Packer. Uh, so basically, you've got two media giants in Australia, and yeah, both are following the same the same toe. It's Australian racism and the poor Lebanese. And it's, um, from my perspective, uh, being a proud white nationalist and knowing the truth, it, it just sickens me to think that, um, I mean, it's, it's just sickening to think that a handful of assaults, if, you know, no more than 10, I mean, there was, at the Cronulla Beach protest can somehow just overpower the level of criminality that we saw before the protest and we saw after the protest by the Middle Eastern community. It's, I just find it a amazing that non-European crime is ignored. When a white person commits a crime, my God, papers are full of it. You won't hear the end of it. Oh, the bloody white person, he's so racist, he's so evil. Yet when the non-European does it, absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean, for example... I was just going to say, the jailing of whites for speech crimes appears...
Oops, I'm back. <laughs> Sorry, gentlemen. Uh, we had a slight uh, technical foible here. Um, sorry to interrupt your conversation. Okay, Chain, you were saying... Um, These laws that uh, Baron von Hoon's talking about, whereby a man can be jailed for 10 years for speech, appear to be the planetary wave of, of a Jewish-inspired thought control against whites. Uh, we've seen in Austria, uh, David Irving's in jail, but when... White people in their own countries, Australia has a relatively minor uh, uh, mud population compared to the United States or, or even uh, the UK. And yet, in Australia, they seem very draconian. So it, it, it's frightening to me because this seems to be the wave. It's almost like a template they're trying out in Australia. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me, mate. I mean... We've since the 1970s. I mean, it all started. Uh, we got the sodomy laws reversed. We, um, you know, just all kinds of things happened in the 70s in Australia that really put us down here. You know, we got rid of the white Australian policy finally. Um, we had a new refugee policy put in place so we could accept 20,000 refugees in each year. 1975. Um, it, it, yeah. So it's you know just the it, the total dismantlement of the Australian identity. Um, is going strong in this country. Um, there, I mean, I was, one thing though I have to admit is that um, John Howard, our Prime Minister, did say one thing which was important, and that said um, he said that uh, he wasn't prepared to call Australians racist, as he believed that was a term that was loosely thrown around. But it took two weeks, only two weeks, or maybe a week and a half, political pressure and media pressure, and he reversed that statement and started to announce that the Australians shouldn't have protested they did the wrong thing so it was like he started off on path saying it was right and then the media pressure convinced our own Prime Minister to eat his words so it's um, there is a lot of pressure in Australia from the media uh, to make Australians out to be just barbaric evil people and racists uh, and it's you know it, I mean the, there was a, a recent um, uh, well for example in, in Cronulla uh, the Muslims who did do writing in the two weeks after the protests, they burnt down a number of churches. I think there was three that uh, suffered fire damage and uh, were burned by Muslims. Now, what was classic is the response to this, the response by the Australian government to the burning of uh, Christian churches was to fund $1.8 million into the protection of Jewish churches. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That is so classic, man. You, you white people, you Christians, this is this is a day of your big hero, your 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 Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and you are treated as second-rate citizens, second-class citizens in your own land. That that's, that's how ludicrous it is. Well, we yeah. again, the parallels are there. We we covered this uh, in a previous coi fire that uh, anti-terrorist funding um, went to mainly went to reinforce synagogues. Uh, uh, to protect them from potential terrorist activity to the tune of also, I don't know how many millions it was, four, 40 million. So it shows who gets nervous once these riots go down and why. Well, as a listener to Goyfire, I guess you should know why they're nervous. <laughs> yeah, we saw that special protection of uh, Jewish hate houses in the... Uh, 
after the passing of the so-called anti-terror legislation here, too. All kinds of that money is diverted into defending synagogues. But, uh, right. And the other parallel now, you mentioned that Middle Easterners in Australia are three times as likely uh, or, or commit three times as many crimes. Well, we have the, the Africans here that commit seven times uh, the rate murder. of crime. And this is documented. Again, you said you went directly to the crime statistics. Well, Jared Taylor did the same thing in his Color of Crime report where it's all duly documented by the government itself that they commit these this horrendous uh, uh, amount of crime, and, and yet you and won't just, hear anything. Just, there should be an asterisk there, too, because they find that the interracial crime in the U.S. is 85% uh, colored on white, and that's primarily black on white, but even that doesn't count a lot of crimes, and it definitely lumps in some crimes uh, committed by Mexicans into the white category, so the actual numbers are even worse than what the government records. But even by the... Semitically correct government's own figures, it shows that crime is almost wholly one race on another race. And the whites are the victims, even though they are never portrayed that way in the media. They're never portrayed as a collective victim of coloreds and the Jews who are using the coloreds. It's outrageous. Baron, Baron, could you please tell us what happens when you go to the federal police and find out about these secret murders which Lebanese are committing and are not even being allowed to be reported by media? media, even if media would want to report them. In other words, the police, as you say, there's the police, um, the media, and the government against you. But how does that occur? What, what happens when you go in and ask about these murders to the federal police offices? Well, the first thing I'm always questioned is, why do you want to know? <laughs> Which is then followed up by me saying, is I'm a concerned Australian and a taxpayer and a voter, I might add, too. Uh, it generally takes a lot of persuasion to get these statistics, um, actually current statistics. But the police are certainly sceptical of why they ask me why I want to know what I'm using them for and so forth. And um, I mean, they take down my details and so forth. I mentioned that they, they want to keep a track of what I do with them. But um, the, the, I mean, the, the, and the other thing is that the, when you ask these police, you, you have to, you, you have to really. Uh, search the police department for officers that are willing to talk because the, the, it seems that at least the policy of the police department is to keep these crimes um, so, I mean, uh, they, they release I shouldn't say they, they keep the crimes but they release crime statistics to Australia on a regular basis and they're great crime statistics but they include no ethnic background, uh, breakdown um, only very few reports have that so when you ring up the police or you get in contact with the police asking about ethnic uh, uh, minorities committing crime, I mean, I use that term minority lightly, they're only a minority in our country, country, they're a majority in the bloody world. But um, they, they tend to either say, we don't have the statistics, what do you need them for, we'll get back to you in two weeks, we'll, you know, they try every excuse under the sun to avoid it. Um, and so you eventually have to hope uh, that you run into a haphazarded constable or a sergeant that's uh, prepared to go, oh, yeah, so-and-so. Like Tim Priest, for example, was a great guy who retired from the drug force a few years back, and he did an excellent report on the Lebanese and Middle Eastern crime in Sydney. Uh, and if anything, uh, five years ago uh, or three years ago, predicting what we would see at Cronulla, um, he was suggesting quite blatantly that the police force was doing nothing towards the Lebanese, uh, the Middle East and crime in Sydney in particular. 
and that it was getting out of control. And uh, sure enough, we we saw it there. So the the other thing is interesting about our police department. After talking to some police, is that um, there are a couple of policemen out there that are on our side. They agree that the criminality is wrong and something needs to be done. But they're caught in a bind too because if a police goes out and arrests one of these criminals and does, you know, might assault them during it, hit them with a bat or something, the, the, the guy could lose his job. So the police are very reluctant to um, pursue these criminals on the fact that they may lose their reputation or position of employment. So the police are also caught up in a stranglehold of political quickness as well. Very much like the U.S. It's, it's hands off because uh, just like you said, and this, you couple that with corporate America where promotions are tied to how many blacks you have working for you and effectively the white man has to shoulder the burden of black work and he has to shoulder the burden of putting up with black crime in our own country. Uh, Baron, and again, let's reiterate for listeners, we... We, you've adopted the nom de guerre or nom de plume of Baron von Hoon because it's illegal in Australia to discuss crime statistics because they reflect poorly on all the immigrants let in by the people lying that diversity is good for Australians, i.e. the white men, <laughs> the Anglo, Anglo, uh, Anglos and, and Irish who, who founded and made Australia a wonderful place. Can you give us a little background on the just the whole immigration question? Uh, my understanding is that it was you had a white Australia policy up until about the mid '60s, which not coincidentally was when America's immigration policy changed and, and went from 90% white from Europe to you know pretty much 95% to the 100% non-white. Mm. Yeah, now, was the, um, this crap. The fellow looks like a Moreno Jew to me. I see he's part Spanish, but if you look at his visage or his image, it, he looks like a Moreno Jew. <laughs> Could well I be. Mean, <laughs> I mean, 50 years he's certainly ago. Not Australian. <laughs> 50 years ago, how many Lebanese were in Australia? Uh, was, well, there was um, the Middle Eastern population was at uh, 2000 uh, by around 1960. Uh, the the, um, most of them were Afghanis uh, who were brought over in the 19th century to help uh, certain certain projects. But um, basically what happened is once the removal of the White Australia policy uh, was enforced, uh, we saw tens of thousands of Middle Easterners, uh, especially Lebanese, Lebanese and Ira uh, sorry, Iran, Iraq and Lebanese, and the Afghanistans make up for the majority of the Middle Easterners that come to our country. Um, and uh, they, they're, 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 there's, a, I mean, there's at least, uh, you know, fifty. There must be at least fifty thousand Middle Easterners immigrants, let alone their children, uh, that have been born in Australia, live in this country. And what's amazing is, again, as I say, is if the Middle East or the Lebanese community commit three times the amount of crime than any Australian citizen. If we would put that shoe on the other foot and say, well, the 18 million Australians or the 17 million or probably 14 million now, Australians committed three times the level of crime than any Lebanese, the country would be up to shit creek, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, um, yeah, the white Australian policy was re uh, removed because of uh, many stupid reasons. There was a lot of uh, world pressure, of course, uh, because heaven forbid if you wanted to be called a neo-Nazi straight up after the fascism of Nazism, you know, having a, an exclusive nation 
so we, we, we followed the rest like England and like America, got rid of our white Australian policy. And uh, one of the main immigrants that we received uh, over the last 30 years since the destruction of the white policy, uh, policy is Vietnamese people. Um, because we're so close to the Asian basin, we have a tremendous amount of Asians coming into our country. And uh, what's even worse is they commit just as much bloody crime as the Lebanese. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, we received 80,000 Vietnamese people in a 10-year period after the white Australian policy was abolished. That was 80,000 80, Vietnamese alone. Uh, and then we received, um, oh, Christ, what was it? I can't remember the statistics. I think it was a, uh, another 130,000 in the following year. So we've, we've, we've got a lot of non-white immigrants uh, rushing into this country since the Australian policy, so much so that the immigration intake is just under the amount of births that Australia has. So it makes me wonder, we had a, a Peter Costello, our treasurer, trying to convince people to have more babies and they were uh, going to give you four, three grand or four grand, I think it was, to have a baby. Um, so the population uh, birth would boom. But I wonder if the reason why they want us to have more babies and increase our population is then they can justify an in, in, in increase in intake of immigration. Because at the moment, the immigration is just under the birth rate, I think, because if they do it over, there'll be an upcry. Um, yeah. So they want to increase the birth rate so they can once again increase immigration. So you guys are kind of like Canada in that you have a huge land mass and comparatively few people. Uh, Very much there, so. But happy people and, and people in, in, in a good situation and there's no need to wreck it. And they're, and they're wrecking it by getting these damn Jewish immigration ministers and letting in the entire third world. I mean, Canada has all the uh, the Chinese come in, and 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 also the people from India and and, uh, and Pakistan. And it sounds like they're doing mm. the same thing down there. And it's no good for the natives. And when you try to speak back, why the media won't carry it, and uh, you may get busted for what they call racial vilification there. Yep, that's right. Um, the uh, just ten years. Well, they've had their, they got rid of their white <laughs> Australian policy in what, 65, I think it was, or, or late 60s, if not 65. Yeah. So that's just exactly when America did it. Well, we, I, I we actually. Now have, we now I, have, we, we were a country of a couple hundred million, and, and now we have roughly 35 to 40 million uh, people who've come since they changed the immigration policy. And it's, I suppose, proportionate in Australia, but there's so, so many fewer people, it's much more easily swamped. Yeah, they also yeah, the gun laws down there too, right? Yeah, the, the, well, the, yeah, the gun laws. Yeah, gun it's laws like, were. Uh, was it nineteen? Yeah, nineteen ninety. You guys are like England. You, you can hardly own a knife in Australia, I believe. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that yeah. is completely right. Because uh, unless you're, of course, a uh, non-European criminal. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. The, the criminals, and that basically means the coloreds, can get all the stuff in the black market, as, as Baron said. I met an Australian guy who came to the U.S., and he was just uh, agog at the freedom we had. to We could still get guns. But they're trying to do this here, the same thing that they've done in Australia and, and, uh, and Britain, which is completely outlaw guns. But Yeah, the... Which is strange because what's, uh, what's annoying is Australian, Australia is not, I wouldn't say a majority, but there is a, a quite a large uh, section of the Australian community which are farmers who rely on firearms to protect their, their crops and their, uh, their animals and so forth. So it was quite annoying to think one Morton in Tasmania who used some semi-automatic weapons to kill some people 
would uh, set up laws that would actually affect um, good, honest working farmers in this country who required these type of weapons to get rid of foxes or kangaroos or emus or um, probably even poachers for that matter. But uh, the, uh, yeah, the gun laws in this country are absolutely a joke. Um, one of my friends was going for the gun licence recently and he was knocked back um, because he had high blood pressure. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm not kidding on that either. What, 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 what's the he theory there? He was not back from possessing a gun because he had high blood pressure. <laughs> well, they suggested because he has high potential blood pressure, one day he might have a, a blood pressure attack, I guess, and go out and shoot some people. <laughs> 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 that is amazing. A any pretext will do to prevent the white man from defending himself by word or weapon. As you know, if you live in Very California, so. California, let alone these the anglophone world makes me sick well it's literally any response to non-white crime upon white women is construed as uh, illegal any response and, and and as a fact in fact the response itself is the cause of the riot any rhetorical that's response wrong. by whites yeah well chain think of it metaphorically if you they don't allow you to protect your country why should they allow you to protect uh, your women that's, you know, that should also be be a free for all for the world. Well, we saw this in Toledo too. Any organized protest, no matter how small, by whites, is the cause of uh, the burning of the city. It's bizarre. Yeah, Australia is getting gang raped by immigration, and uh, Australians, women, or Australian women as well. And uh, you stand up against that, you stand up against their policies. Well, guess what? You're a hater. That's, that is exactly, exactly the case in Australia. Exactly the case. I mean, uh, as I said, if you, it, I, would, I, would have, I would have loved to have seen Australians rise up against the English people and call them names and see what the media would have done with that. Uh, to see if they could, a whole race is alive in Australia, Europeans attacking Europeans, but uh, th that is the case in Australia. You, you simply cannot uh, speak against a non-European uh, on any negative uh, without, I mean, I, you don't even have to call them a nigger anymore, you know what I mean? It's like, all I have to do is go, a black person, oh, racial hatred, bloody racist, bloody, and so I didn't even call him a name. And, uh, you know, or eternally he commits a crime and I say, well, that's a typical black man, well, racial hatred, blah, 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 and it's, oh, for God's sake. Um, I mean, the, the other thing, I mean, I was, uh, my, my, one of my biggest pet things in Australia is Aboriginal crime because they count for, I mean, these guys make up less than 2% or not even 1% of, I don't think of Western Australia's population, but they count for 20% of violent crime. And that's huge. I mean, 1% can attribute to 20% of violent crime. Uh, they, uh, I mean, apparently, not, I mean, the domestic violence is rare, and you can't even speak about the domestic violence in these communities either without being called a racist because you don't understand their culture and so forth. I've, I've, many of the time, people have said that to me. Oh, you've got to understand their culture, Baron. You, uh, you know, you <laughs> it's like, well, if I, they're in Australia, mate. They should understand our bloody culture. <laughs> yeah, Baron. I was reading about the convoys of Lebanese who would just strike out. Uh, into the cities, into the white hearts of the cities, and create these crimes. And the Strategic Studies Institute of the U.S. Army War College has said that this kind of organized gang warfare waged by uh, young Muslims in Sydney can be understood better as a mutated form of urban insurgency. 
and yes. later on in Goyfar, we're going to talk about this. These are occurring all over the Western world or formerly white countries. But could you tell us about how those convoys uh, were staged by the by these uh, Muslims? Well, um, with the, I'm glad you said Muslims because I mean there are majority, uh, not majority, there are a number of Christian Lebanese, and I'm sure that they're not really that responsible for the crimes. And we can assume that because all of uh, all of the organisation of these Lebanese uh, criminal youth uh, were organised at local mosques. In that they all arrived at the local mosque armed themselves, got themselves already in cars and then took to the streets. Now if these were Christian Lebanese, I seriously doubt they would be organising it at the local mosque or burning down Christian churches for that matter. So it's definitely the Muslims that we see are committing these crimes, the Muslim, uh, the Muslim Lebanese. Um, these guys got uh, extremely organised uh, at, at their mosques and what was even worse, the police knew this was happening. I mean, we, we got the reports coming from the media that there was... Um, uh, well, I say reports, probably a report, uh, that the Muslims were uh, gathering at local mosques and uh, getting ready in carloads, and the police were going down there to, to sort things out. But again, no arrests were made. Um, no one was detained or held. or it, it, They were just quite allowed to go <laughs> and do what they wanted, quite frankly. Um, uh, I mean, the, 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 uh, for another example, as, as I mentioned about the Molotov cocktails, uh, the, 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 these criminal gangs were armed with these type of weapons and they were firing them at the police who were protecting the streets. And again, none of them were charged. Uh, none of them were brought to justice. Um, it's, it, it is very organised. A guy, a sheik, uh, a, a sheik uh, Indian who owns a deli, uh, did a reporting to the newspaper that, uh, how he was terrified when five carloads of uh, Lebanese or Middle Eastern uh, youths turned up at his uh, petrol station, Delhi, uh, Delhi and uh, were starting to approach him. Uh, he wasn't too sure if they were coming to cause violence or smash up the place, and he was saved by two police patrol cars coming, which caused the Lebanese to, uh, to, to run off. Those police didn't give chase. They allowed the Lebanese to uh, continue on with their criminal actions. So, it's, um, yeah, these guys are very organised. Um, I mean, they're, 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 again, all I have to say is that 40% of organised crime in Australia, nearly half, is Middle Eastern. Uh, that in itself says that, that these guys are ready for warfare. They're, they've got the guns, they've got the weaponry, they're committing the crimes, they're, they're getting away, they're, they know they're above the law, and um, they'll continue to remain disorganised unless the government, the police or the media start to... Uh, target them as such, but we're certainly not going to see that happen while the Jews are in control of the media, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the, only place, in. the only place they want you fighting back against Muslims is over in Iraq. And I hope you Christians and conservatives listening to this will put two and two together. Think about that. The cops allow the Muslims to get away with this crap over here, but they can't even get away with it in Iraq or, or else we've got you know our bombers hitting us <laughs> from 30,000 feet. You're only Muslims are bad when they're attacking Jews, and they're good when they're attacking Christians and whites in white nations. Think about that. And yeah, these that, Muslims that. were flooded into Australia in 1975 during the Civil War there, and that's when Sharon uh, went up there and invaded. They occupied southern Lebanon. Uh, the Israelis did. So, again, they, they went to that part of the world as a result of Zionism in the third part of the 19th century. It began, the movement, and uh, now... That trouble actually literally spilled over in the form of they're trying to export Muslims into Australia. Yeah, well, 
That's right. And as you were saying, Alex, the, the, the Muslims being the friend of the Jews when they're attacking Christians, we saw that in Serbia where the Albanians were just left to rampage through Serbia and burn churches down and uh, kill people, and, and the U.S. Uh, just bombed Serbia. That's a great parallel. That. Just great parallel. Mm. So we see the same thing wherever you look. Uh, all that it, it all lines up with the Jewish agenda and what's good for Jews, and what's good for white Americans, ordinary white Americans, what's good for ordinary white Australians, what's good for ordinary white Canadians. That doesn't matter. Only what's good for Jews. And it's, it's just disgusting. I hate to hear about that. I've, I've wanted to visit Australia for a long time. I bet it's a hell of a place, in spite of a lot of the problems. But uh, I know it's what is oh, summer down yeah. there right now, isn't it? I bet it's lovely. It is summer. Yeah, nice 30 degrees today. Beautiful beach weather. I mean, that is the thing about Australia. It is a it is a fantastic country. Absolutely brilliant. We've got wonderful wonderful attractions, wonderful uh, historic places. I mean, we're only 200 years old, but we still have a lot a lot of great history and a lot of great customs. And these things are coming under sincere... I mean, I'll give you a, a, another example. Just for Christmas, is Port Hedland Hospital took off ham. Christmas ham, a traditional dinner, off their Christmas menu because it might offend Muslims. Um, now, I don't know how many Muslims are living in Port Hedland, but I don't think there'll be that many of them. <laughs> uh, but it was yeah. enough for them to do that. And it's, the, it's these type of actions which uh, is a direct assault onto Australian identity and, of course, in other countries, it's their identity. And if you stand up and try and protect your identity, you're a racist. And, uh, yeah, Australia's beautiful nation is being ruined by the third world immigration. And I'm sure some of these immigrants are fine. They probably isn't quite well and get on with their lives, but it seems the majority of them... I mean, oh, that's an interesting thing. I'll tell you about the Lebanese community. As of 2001, over 70% of them were unemployed. Now, that's an interesting fact to think. Now, are we really immigrating skilled workers? How can mm -hmm. seven, over 70% of the Lebanese community be unemployed if we're immigrating skilled workers? And they collect welfare? They collect welfare like a troop. Mate, don't you worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the Australians are even subsidizing their own demise, which, again, we see the parallel in the U.S. where we have huge number or huge African nations within the U.S., uh, New Orleans, existing solely off of white tax dollars. But, but again, let's make the point here that all these countries are democracies, yet the will of the people is never polled because the people, you can be damn sure, in America, in Europe, in, in, in Britain, in, uh, in Australia, in Canada, people never wanted these open immigration policies. It's the elite that is led by Jews and, and filled out by race traders that wants them in to create a new world order in which there are no racially pure nation states left except for Israel. That's exactly what's going on. And uh, it's, it's just disgusting. And let me tell you, average white man listening to this, as long as Jews control the media, you are going to be called a racist no matter where you reside. So if, if your horror at being called a racist and your fear of losing your reputation is greater than anything else, well, so be it. You're going to sacrifice your whole genetic line. And as long as you continue to be intimidated by that word, we here at Goyfar, we don't give a damn about that. They can call us whatever we want. We have our agenda, and we're following it, and we are the free men. And it is through us that we're going to, we're going to create the mass consciousness that's going to lead to taking back our countries. It's the only way it can happen. The conservatives have nothing to offer. They're yeah. part of the problem. They're the same damn liberals.
Why doesn't Rupert Murdoch send uh, Geraldo Friedman down there to Australia to talk about the terribly unfair laws, uh, uh, speech laws, which can throw you in prison for 10 years? That would be a good expose, eh? But I guess that's not going to happen. You could even just pretend. You could put up a, a like a picture behind him of like a shark cage and a great white shark and claim he's <laughs> reporting from Australia or something. He did from Afghanistan. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it was a fascinating picture uh, uh, from uh, Baron von Hund, uh, who we're del delighted to have on the show today, and uh, it really gives you a first-hand glimpse of this is what it's actually like in Australia. And. Uh, Right, and I, I want to let everybody know, while listening to this program, you could call in at the end of the show. We'll be giving the numbers. So if there are any Australians listening in who are incensed and enraged by Barron's account, or if there's some Australian out there who has news uh, that, that Barron hasn't touched upon this evening, uh, you'll have a chance to call in at the end of the show, and uh, we'll yeah. discuss Hey, just a couple other notes. I know we've got Celtic Rage coming up later but at the end of Goyfire. And uh, we also want to reiterate our call. If you have video, audio, or want to file a written report on the scene down there in Australia or anywhere else, just get it to us and we'll post it. It's completely free and legal here in the United States, so we have to serve as a clearinghouse for all the information from those countries laboring under Jewish tyranny where it is literally illegal to discuss crime statistics. So far gone, is it? I'd like to see Baron von Hun become a regular on uh, being in radio. I, I agree. And, and let's, internationalism, listeners, and let's, let's get some response to this. I've, it's wonderful stuff, Baron. We really appreciate you giving us a first-hand account of what's going on down there. Extremely informative. Well, disgusting. Well, well guys, I, I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate the, the great opportunity to, to get the Australian message across. I mean, we're a small country of 21 million people, and so uh, some see Australia as being a, a little insignificant. But um, we certainly share the pains and the burdens of the Western world, uh, Western countries in this world. And uh, look, you guys are doing a fantastic job bringing the information and getting people aware, and I'm glad to be a part of it, and thanks very much. Excellent. Well, we'll definitely well have you on again. Uh, soon. Thanks okay, Baron, thanks for, thanks for being in the studio tonight, and uh, we're going to head to break um, and be back with more Goyfire in a bit. You're listening to Vanguard Radio. The Aryan Alternative. News and views for whites you won't find anywhere else. The Aryan Alternative is a print publication of uncensored news for whites. Be the first in your neighborhood to distribute news without the Jews by ordering 100 copies for $12 through the Vanguard News Network. Visit govnn.com for ordering information. The Aryan Alternative and the Vanguard News Network. No Jews, just right. Live, right, Chad? 24-7. IRC or Java. Pick your poison. White racialist, intercourse, live and online, VNN Live. That's right, live chat for VNN, vnn.mine.nu, 1488-join, number VNN. Be Java folks, HTTP, colon, double slash, vnn.mine.nu, colon, 88, slash, VNN Live. Antis need not apply. 
Come get some. The problem is for the next generation. That's when the hurt's going to come by. Let's get that gringo in the ass. Come on. Let's go. They're taking over, and and you're a racist pig if you resist. Go back to Europe. It's a war. I'm a painter. In the last two years, I started buying guns. You don't make anything better by adding 30 million Mexicans to it, do you? I'm not going to sit by on my couch and get fat while my country disappears. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to hear from the founder of the Minuteman Project? I'm going, to, I'm going to show you an armed vigilante right here. These are our weapons. The, the reforms in immigration that have completely altered this country have been the result, really, of elite um, sentiment and, and frankly, you know, ethnic interest group lobbying and so on. The Democratic Party sees massive immigration, both legal and illegal, as a source of voters. On the other side, the Republican Party sees massive immigration, both legal and illegal, as a source of cheap labor. There is absolutely no immigration law enforcement which means we have no borders, which means we have no nation. If we don't choose this border, again, as the line in the sand, to our own government, about what we, the people, demand and what we expect from the government, you know, uh, then uh, you might as well just check it in and make sure there's something good on TV every night and stay out of their way. Don't do anything wrong, because you won't stand a chance. The United States government has refused to effectively protect the southern border with Mexico for 40 years. Average American citizens are now banding together to stand up against a government they feel no longer represents their interests. October Sun Films presents The Line in the Sand, a documentary by Byron Jost. Visit octobersunfilms.com for more information. Belgium, where we have Vams Belang uh, and its leader, Philip de Winter. Philip de Winter is a fascinating phenomena in Belgian and European politics. Under his leadership, the Vams Bloc Party, which is, was forced to reestablish itself as Vams Belang in November 2004 after the state Supreme Court declared that it continually incites towards racial discrimination and segregation has transformed itself from a party into a leading political force. De Winter is probably the most successful leader of the far right in Europe today. His party is the second largest in the Flemish part of Belgium with about 25% support. 
In reality, it is actually the largest single party because the Christian Democratic bloc, with about 27%, comprises several parties. Since the beginning of the 1980s, the party has grown steadily with every election, municipal, regional, and federal. The number of the party supporters increases. In order to fulfill his aspiration of gaining control of the city, De Winter needs, quote, the Jewish economic elite that controls one of the leading commercial branches in the city, Diamonds. According to Professor Mood, De Winter hopes that the state of Israel and the Jews will pave the way to the city's business community and legitimize his image in local popular opinion. Uh, Alex Chain, have you been following this at all? Uh, this this development. Uh, a little bit. I've been watching, and I see you know they write profiles of them uh, every so often. I notice that Blom's belong, if that's how you actually pronounce it. Uh, it's a Germanic language. Uh, means Flemish interests. So putting the interests of the Flems ahead of uh, the interests of uh, others. And what a radical idea, huh? Uh, Flems, what are they? They're basically German-descended. That's the German-descended portion of that uh, that area. But, uh, yeah, it sounds like he's trying to make some deals with the Jews. And eh, what will come of it? You know, they, they're continually moving the, the frame to the left, and they call someone far right who's trying to make deals with Jews or who's uh, saying that, yeah, Jews are fellow citizens. That always makes me suspicious. But uh, in any case, it's a small country, and at least some of what he's saying is correct. This this particular party was banned, and I guess there were Jews on the court in southern Belgium which banned the party. And if I'm if I'm not mistaken, they essentially had to reorganize. But uh, the, as a party, they're technically the largest because their opposition is comprised of 27% coalition parties. Um, and they are, uh, I guess, approximately 25% of the country. So it's a very popular position to be for the whites in that country, the Dutch or, or, or uh, uh, Germanic whites uh, of Belgium descended. And uh, again, the other parties have iced them out. They've agreed not to give them any acknowledgement that they even exist. Uh, really the way anyone, back to the same old saw, if you're for whites, uh, you can't even rhetorically defend yourself. It's just not allowed. And certainly not. Yeah, they, me they, they mention that here. Uh, they have an absolute political boycott of the party with a commitment never to invite it into any coalition. This is because of the party's racist style and content. Thus, it turns out that one in four Flemish voters is not really represented in the political arena. And the court has officially declared everywhere in the racist. In the BBC, when they report the elections, uh, and, and you may remember before the, uh, I remember one election about a year ago, even less perhaps, they, uh, excoriated the BBP, uh, pardon me, the uh, BNP on the verge of the election. And uh, 
they minimize. They're doing it all over in white countries, partially or majority white countries that are that they want to change the United States, Australia, wherever, wherever they roam with this global thought control. The the Jews and their enablers. Yeah. Well, the question is, of course, how can a neutered party such as Falange Belang uh, really get things accomplished? On the other hand. At 25% and growing, I think the Jews sense that this cordon sanitaire, uh, this absolute political boycott, is soon uh, not going to be effective if they, let's say, get 28% of the vote next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the, and, the, the uh, diamond I mean, merchants, the, yeah, the Jews and the diamond merchants are just getting in with us. It sounds remarkably similar to the neocon movement in the United States, doesn't it? with Douglas Feith and, and, and all the rest of the Wolfowitz. In other words, they move in and co-opt the movements. Right, they sense that 25, they're fighting the whole way, 25 to 27%, and now sensing that he might just get 28% of the vote next time, that it's time to hedge their bets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. Now, if he doesn't kowtow to them, it will be even more interesting to see if he just doesn't end up dead. <laughs> As has happened in in the Netherlands. Uh, what was that, that one far-right party? Yeah, that was... Exactly. In Portine, yeah. The homo. Portine, is that how you pronounce it? They nevertheless spoke so. up at... Uh, I've heard it pronounced different ways, but uh, I think it's Portine. Mm-hmm. He spoke against... Uh, Against the Muslims, can't let stuff like that run too far. Where you've got, you know, one one side of the equation is breeding, you know, seven per family, the other side is a bunch of homos. I mean, it doesn't take long for the one to outnumber the other, and it really comes to the fore in these these smaller states like Australia and Canada, and uh, a place like America where you've got a couple hundred million people. You can mix in a lot of shit before the stink really becomes obvious, but. Uh, there's still room to move away from it, but on uh, these small ones, it comes to a head very quickly. You know, within 10 years, you can create a real uh, situation that demographically looks like there's there's no way out. And so it's always it's good to it's good to see these uh, these people. It's kind of a condensed version uh, of of what we face here in America, where every day you wake up is a little more multicultural, a little more niggerized culture, a little more seen on TV, and a little. Uh, Little Jewier, the politicians, and yeah. uh, a little more controlled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's disgusting to see these. Uh, you know, you see Winter reaching out to these these Orthodox. They are some of the absolute. They're scum. Okay, you have conservatives in the U.S. like even Joe Stobrin, who ought to know better and may know better, writes about Orthodox Jews as though they're very respectful carriers on of tradition. Well, what are the Jewish traditions? That's the part he doesn't tell you about or, or, or approach honestly. I mean, the Jewish Orthodox tradition is that the men should not work and should sit around studying their giant book of hate all day, preferably being subsidized by this dirty goyim cattle. And um, in many ways they are in the U.S. As we saw up in New Square where they, they set up bogus schools and then they're funded by the government for millions of dollars. And they'll sell their, their, their votes and uh, block to... Uh, what was it, Hillary Clinton at one time, even though the rest of the time they were voting conservative, they voted for her. 
and she would uh, she would help them. So these are these are every bit as much the enemy of the honest uh, uh, resident of uh, of Holland or Amsterdam or or Belgium as as the uh, as the Muslims. Neither one sure, of the conservative the so-called conservative Jews control that diamond trade, and and the influences uh, you just mentioned, the Shabbat Lubavitchers, you posted in December 21st reader's mail about those, Alex, and specifically this fellow, uh, Levi or Levi uh, Shemtop, a, a rabbi, and they have profound influence right within the White House of the United States. They spend yeah. a lot of time via APAC and... Uh, and with direct contacts with our leaders, all of our leaders, constantly schmoozing them and uh, pumping them money. But yeah, that's uh, what I, I hope we have some more time to talk about this fellow later in Goyfar today. Well, that, that's what I was going to say was how much that picture reminded me of those, all those pictures with Bush meeting with a whole table full of these nasty-looking uh, Orthodox Jews and, and, oh, you know, Judaism. And there's... There is not a, a public figure in the United States above the level of dog catcher that hasn't been photographed with a yarmulke on his head. Do I mean that literally? Well, I would sure hate to prove the opposite of it. And I really would. I would hate to try to prove the opposite of that. But I think it would be darn hard to find one that hasn't been photographed wearing a yarmulke. I'd be goddamned if I would ever put that nasty little hat in my head and the, the, the shit that that symbolizes. Nasty little skull cap symbolizes you're accepting the yoke of the Jew, and you're saying this man's my boss. I'm on his side. He may call me a dirty cow, but gosh darn it, that's all right. I don't mind. I have no honor. I have no integrity. I can be sold to anybody for a song. That's what you're saying when you put on the Jewish skull cap. There's no proud Jewish tradition. There's the Jewish tradition of smearing and murdering others. That's the Jewish tradition. Lying, writing giant books of shit. You know what H.L. Mencken said? He said. Uh, he, he said, I, I, I'm almost unique among the Goyim that I've actually tackled the Talmud. He said, I expect you now to, uh, I know that you, I suspect you now think I'm about to, to encourage you to do the same, for it's a wonderful book full of great stuff. He's like, sadly, my, uh, my report must differ from that expectation. In fact, it seems to me indistinguishable from rubbish, save for a few bright spots. So the greatest writer of English ever and I assert Mencken is just that, the, the greatest user of the English language ever said that the Talmud is a bunch of shit. Okay, and, and Jews don't have scientific ability. Jews have verbal ability. And this is their great book, their giant book of commentary on their codes. And it's the greatest user of English ever said that the bunch of goddamn rubbish. Okay, so you tell me how great these Jews are. Oh, the great literary talent. Oh, the great literary talent of the Jews. Where's the Shakespeare hymn I want to read? You know, all they can come up with is goddamn Philip Roth, <laughs> the plot against America, the paranoid solipsist. The Jew, how can you be paranoid and yet believe that you're the only thing that exists in the world at the same time? The Jews have mastered that. It, it's an oxymoron. It's a perfect oxymoron. It perfectly describes the Jewish mentality. They're the only thing that exists. Even when they're persecuted, they're in the main stage, and yet, you know, they're still paranoid. It, it's a very it, it's a bizarre race of... Bizarre and unattractive race of people. By God, we don't need them. Not in Kirksville. Well, they have these not in Bayer County. Not in Missouri. Not in the United States. Not in the North American continent. Not in the goddamn nope. third planet from the sun. I tell you, brother. We don't need them. Yeah. In, in a phrase... Listen. 
Let me think. It's coming to me. No Jews. Just right. This Levi Shem. Oh, got it. Rabbi. <laughs> I love it. Dov Zakim. <laughs> this... The ultimate catchphrase. I wanted to mention Dov Zakim. Guys. We the, are being This heard. guy showed up with this Levi Shem Tov at the six-month anniversary of 9 at the very moment the plane struck and they started praying. So I looked up this Dov Zakim, D-O-V, uh, surname Z-A-K-H-E-I-M. He was, at the time, the United States Secretary, Undersecretary of Defense, and in the form of the Comptroller. In other words, he controls all the money of the United States Department of Defense. Now, essentially, he's a Shabbat Lubavitcher, which is a... Uh, not only that, he's in the Council of Foreign Relations, the Wilson Center for International Scholars, and get this, he's literally an ordained rabbi, and this is according to a Jew source on the, on the internet, shaalvim.org, and you could look them up. Uh, they've killed that link since then, but somebody archived it before they killed it. And then they had this uh, rabbi, Aiden Steinzaltz, uh, <laughs> He's in there. He's a Lubavitcher, and they call him an internationally renowned Talmudic scholar. And uh, he says that events such as this demonstrate that the Lubavitch movement is connected with the rest of the United States. Lubavitch is not cut off, he said. It is part of the American people. Well, yeah, I guess so, the way things are going. Uh, but imagine, here's the guy. He's the Undersecretary of Defense. Now, get this. His grandfather was named Julius Sakim, and the skunk, you know, who has these... Uh, He's a being in a poster. The skunk has a, uh, one of his musical teaching uh, pages on site and he, on, on the Internet, and he said that Zakim's grandfather married a relative of Karl Marx, and he was a rabbi too, as was his father. So here are rabbis in the highest fucking levels in the United States government. What does it take to wake up Americans? I don't get it. I really don't get it. Yeah, well, we have a, a second story here. Now, this story was actually broadcast in the land of Is, uh, mm -hmm. Jew Death Squad by the name of Avengers featured. And I quote, A group of elderly Holocaust survivors came forward Friday with accounts of a death squad they formed after World War II to take revenge on their Nazi persecutors recounting a brazen operation in which they poisoned hundreds of officers. In a broadcast on television's channel 2, now this is coming from Haaretz, the survivors, some of whom fought in the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, recalled hunting down SS officers in the dead of night. Disguised as British or American officers, they would drag the SS men out of their homes and execute them, they said. In their largest operation, the group codenamed the Avengers received a large amount of arsenic from Paris and laced loaves of bread fed to hundreds of USS officers imprisoned in an American camp after the war. Uh, and I quote, I didn't see myself as a murderer, not then and not today, group member Simcha Rotum told Channel 2. It's a federal crime to impersonate a United States military officer. Yeah, that didn't come up in the uh, trials, you know, afterwards, was <laughs> it, the uh, Nuremberg trials. Uh -huh. I, you know, I would say on, on something like that, 
it's so hard, you know, 60 years after the day to even establish what happened, and you've got Jews claiming stuff. Um, the Jewish tendency to exaggerate and lie makes the whole thing kind of suspect, although the uh, emotional impulse makes sense. Jews are very vengeful, vicious people. That's part of what has given them a competitive advantage over whites. Whites have to make it an intellectual thing or a, a game sort of competition. That's why I've always believed that posing our cause as a quest, like a scientific challenge or a sporting challenge, might be the best way to go. Because whites are just inherently, I don't think, as, as vengeful and hateful as Jews are. I mean, it's kind of an irony. They accuse everyone else of being hateful, but the average white is much less hateful than the average Jew, and also much less paranoid. And that is scientifically as well as uh, experientially borne out. If you've ever known any Jews, you'll know what I mean. Right. Well, we have a bunch of... Right. Well, this actually has been documented, this uh, poisoning of uh, bread uh, that, as, as hundreds were hospitalized at the time. In fact, I think some Americans <laughs> were hospitalized as well because they happened to eat the bread. Um, yeah. Jews like poisoning. I, I've heard the story before. It seems to come up every year or two. They re-mention it. Um, all right, some Jewish jerk-offs get a hold of a little poison and incompetently try to poison the honest white men. Pretty much par for the course. Jews like poison because it, it's quiet and secret and there's no honor involved in, in poisoning people. It's something you can do safely. And, and that very much fits the, uh, the Jewish nature. Murdering people while they're asleep or, uh, or poisoning them or, or starting rumors about them behind their back or anonymously calling in uh, uh, lies about them to, to people they do business with. These are very typical Jewish uh, methods of operation. They're not an honorable people. They, they don't even perceive honor. They perceive, they perceive effectiveness. They perceive this will work. Uh, beyond that, it, it seems idiotic to them. And, and it seems almost a supernatural consideration to worry about the, the ethics of something. And that's the irony, though. On the other hand, they'll say they, they like to pretend that goys are dumb brutes, whereas Jews are these very sensitive, very moral people. But, but Jews are the opposite of sensitive and moral. Hmm. Look, look at the art. They ne first of all, they never produced any art. Second of all, look at the art that they, today, owning the galleries and being the main promoters and, and the directors of these museums, look at the art that they prosper and subsidize. I mean, to call it art is ridiculous. It's just, it's just intellectual. It's another version of a scam. That they are, they alone are ethnically networked to, uh, to be in position to carry off on the rest of us. Despicable people. So you know, poisoning, uh, poisoning Nazis. Well, it's part Jewish bullshit. It may be part reality, but who knows? Yeah. Well, that's par for the course. We have are, are under a bit of uh, we're under a bit of time or uh, pressure tonight because we do have a schedule to keep to. So I'm going to run through the TNBs here. Now entering the TNB section, typical nigger behavior. Uh, here we have a case of Groyd Driver gets 40 days for killing white girl. Chesapeake man sentenced to 40 days in connection to deadly August accident. A Chesapeake judge handed down a decision Monday concerning a driver who had been convicted twice of driving on a suspended license. 
Gerald Haley, 22, was found guilty of, the of a misdemeanor charge. The charge stemmed from an accident August 9th. Haley was arrested after hitting 13-year-old Cassie Vaughn along Taylor Road. Vaughn was crossing the street when she was hit by the passenger side of Haley's car. She died in the accident. There's an old Humble Pie song when Peter Frampton used to play with him. It's called 40 Days in the Hole. There you go. <laughs> ten, years, ten years for saying yeah. that uh, 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 muds are killers. 40 days for killing the white. A 13-year-old girl. Yeah, that's about right. White lives have, have but no Jane, value in America. America it, it was an accident. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, ages, there, there, there's a guy who plays for the St. Louis uh, Rams who is drunk and ran down a woman and killed her. And what happened to him? Basically nothing. I think like a suspended sentence or something. And then this goddamn nigger went out and did it again. And he's still free and playing for them. Uh, his name's Little. Leonard Little, I think. It's uh, St. Louis it Rams. Sounds, it actually sounds harsh like to me. Didn't, didn't, Liz, yeah. didn't Lizzie Grubman get 40 days or so for breaking somebody's hip and running into the front of the nightclub and uh, knocking down six or eight people? Lizzie Grubman, the Jewish uh, PR lady? I mean, you know, this is this is yeah. harsh. We're treating our niggers ran too over fucking harsh. A crowd of whites with her SUV, and then called them white. Got out and called them white trash, which would have made it a hate crime if it were. Yeah. What'd she get for called that? Called her a kite cunt. Yeah. yeah. If we co co called her a catfish lip kite cunt, you know, and ran over a bunch of fucking Jews with <laughs> our SUV, you think we'd get a little more than what that stupid cunt got? I guarantee you, this this is this is going to go on as as long as we tolerate it. And I'm telling you, physical reprisal is the way to go. And uh, yeah, well, that's why they're keen to I'm preach not tolerance against isn't anyone it? in specific. But <laughs> if, if you think that we're going to get out of this by typing and by complaining and by writing letters to congressmen, no, they don't respect any of that. They control the high points. They don't have to listen to us, and they routinely, they routinely fail to publish our letters. They routinely uh, fail to give any consideration to our interests at all, and in fact, deny that they exist. So they are committed to a policy of genocide, and, and we shouldn't pretend otherwise. We shouldn't have any respect for them or their so-called rights since they have none for ours. We have a second TMB. A freaking in France assaults teacher. A severely injured teacher, 27, is in the hospital, too shocked to talk yet after being viciously attacked in her, attack by, in her class by an African student. Kivi Wansali, 18, an African based in every 30 miles south of Paris, brutally stabbed the teacher, Karen Monet, during a lecture at the Lucie Professionnelle Louis at, well, you'll have to excuse, <laughs> pardon my French here. And Tamps is a small town close to Envry in the Paris, Parisian suburbs. On Friday, the black male had come very unnerved about school as the teacher told him to calm down. He took out a large knife and lashed out at the defenseless woman in front of the shocked students before fleeing. The black later confessed that he was angry with the teacher for complaining to his mother about his unruly in-class behavior. I guess you saw those frontal lobes about the bus, huh? She saw the signs. 
And uh, this guy's mammy, he, the teacher complained to his mammy about things. You know, she had six kids and couldn't support them, and their story said five or six. And uh, this is such a routine T&B for the quad that, uh, I mean, brutally stabbed. Where, where did they get her? The jugular? And, and somebody rushed in there somehow in two minutes and saved her? The titty? Or, you know, what was it? Right, right in the liver? I want to hear the fucking details. But all we know is it's brutal. You know, uh, this guy was born in France, too. Uh, why don't they just call him a Frenchman? Anyway, the, this is such humdrum no. routine can be by, by qua standards that uh, how bad okay. is she disfigured? Maybe Third. better in the face, not saying. And anyway. Yeah, well, someone suggested on the forum that they uh, rewrite the article without brutally stabbed and... Uh, you know, gently stabbed her, perhaps, would have been more appropriate. Oh, that's right. Let's hear what brutal means. Where, the, where were the stab wounds? Yeah, or maybe she just backed up into the knife. That that was a, a way of putting it, wasn't it? <laughs> hey, yeah. some, nigger, some nigger in the States recently said that. That's part of his defense. She, the, 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 the white girl he killed repeatedly ran into his knife. <laughs> that's, not, <laughs> that's a valid legal defense these days. But anyway... What's next? More TNB. How are you going to race through yeah. TNB? But go ahead. <laughs> There's so much. Okay. Well, we're racing. We're racing so fast. We have a race war in L.A. Brown versus Brown. Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputies working to end a deadly racial gang war in an unincorporated neighborhood just north of Watts have made 230 felony arrests and seized 130 weapons since April. Sheriff Lee Baca announced Friday the law enforcement push was made possible by a 57-member task force assembled to saturate a three-and-a-half square mile area between Florence Avenue and Firestone Boulevard, where gang shootings had left more than 40 people dead and 200 wounded during an 18-month period. Mm-hmm. Well, this is... a uh this is black and brown. It's not brown versus brown, as it says, right? It's a Crips versus the uh, uh, yes, Valencia 13, a Latino gang. So point is that South Central used to be black, and now the Mexicans are moving in and pretty much driving the niggers out, and the niggers don't like it uh, any better than the whites like being driven out by by. And basically, one of the nicest parts of the country where, where I went to school and where I lived back in the 70s also is being uh, not in South Central, but just Southern California in general. Beautiful weather, beautiful uh, coastal area uh, is being filled with subhuman refuse from Mexico and from other scum parts of the world, and the whites are retreating inland to the desert and the mountains. And that's sad. That's just plain sad. And it's a measure of uh, physical dominance. They dominate us because we have allowed the Jews to come in here as individuals, yet take over as an ethnic network and redefine us to our own children and tell them that they should be ashamed of their own heritage, that they only exist as a collective negative to be shat on or abused. And, and mm-hmm. every form of media repeats this in, in, in one form or another, subtle or overt, uh, sexual or non-sexual. Uh, you look at how much porn in the Internet is, is uh, niggers abusing, ripping, raping, stabbing white girls, a huge percentage of it. Even porn that's not overtly interracial, tends uh, in that direction. And that it, it, it's no coincidence that, that that fits in perfectly with primetime TV, which is hyper-sexualized. And 
I mean, that, I get one channel now in my little four-inch free TV, which I don't subscribe to cable, as you know. I repeat that because um, uh, it's it's about living white, and it's about not putting your money into Jew coffers, which I do not do. Uh, I don't pay for Jew media. I cre- we create our own media here at VNN and the Goy Fire. My, my point is I get one channel, it's Fox, and I watch one of these shows with that fucking little uh, Jew on it, uh, uh, some Sunday night show, but... They got, they got the, the guys, like, 10-year-old kid making out with another little boy, two little white boys, making out in prime time on Fox, stuffed in between their most popular cartoons, uh, Family Guy and uh, Simpsons. And you think about that. That's how degenerate things have become. And, you know, what they're trying to do is condition white parents to just accept whatever goes on. Oh, you may be a little put off by it, but you have to accept it. Above all, you can never fight back. That's what they're trying to inculcate in you. Oh, you must never fight back. You must accept everything. And boy, if you don't think Christianity plays into that. Absolutely. Oh, Jesus. Oh, turn the other Cons. Love, toler- tolerate just everything. Just need to pay attention. What about yeah, fighting back? Just, the, when did standing yeah, up Speaking of the fight, then? Alex, I wanted to get back to the Strategic Studies Institute of the U.S. Army War College, which suggests that this sort of organized gang warfare is a mutated form of urban insurgency. It's not even civilian action. It's race war. Right now, it may be Mexicans and, and, and uh, niggers, but they're coming to your hood. So just stand by. We're seeing the future manifest, and if you just pay attention, well, you can see all the signs. Yeah, Craig, you're, Craig, you're right. I, the thing that irritates me is that these... these Fat, lazy schmucks like Newt Gingrich always portray ordinary black and brown behavior as though it is aberration from some pristine, original, or normal state in which blacks are civilized and they vote Republican and they have their 2.5 kids and they get on the Internet and check their stock portfolio. Now, that ain't niggers, man. Niggers ain't like that. Niggers be something entirely different. And so be the little choopy-loopies also. They're not like white people. They're shit people. They're, they're sort of in people form, but they're not really people. It's kind of like the aborigines. They're not really people. We are people. Okay? Now, you, you can't expect them to act like us. Now, somewhere else in Vietnam Forum, there's a black rap singer. I think it's Mary J. Blige, or she's just a black singer. I don't think she's a rapper. And she just complains that, you know, America's still basically racist. And, you know, in, in a sense, she's wrong, but in a sense, she's right. I mean... You can't expect black people to act like white people. They're not goddamn white people. Part of, you know, if I were one of these fake liberals predisposed to say how I love everybody, I love all the other races, well, how can you love something when you don't take it seriously enough to see what it is? Someone even defined love that one, defined love that way one time, which is just taking something seriously. Because, you know, we're all obsessed with ourselves and what we're doing because, hey, we are us, we have to live as us, we have to deal with the world through our own senses and our own internal pressures. Well, to get beyond that is difficult. And, and these people just posit, oh, blacks and brown, they're just like us. They just have different colored skin, like it's cat fur or dog fur or something. No, it, it, the difference goes all the way through, and it's generalizable. And, it, and it's such that we and they cannot coexist. And that's what our smartest people have said. And, and further developments in science have not refuted what they thought, they've reinforced what they thought. The most advanced intelligent men like Kevin McDonald today who are of our own people and who stand up for our interests, i.e. our true elite, 
are building on what the Jeffersons knew, partly by observation and, and, and a lot by experience. And, and that's the beauty of it. We are the people who truly represent the chain from the founders on through to the present. We are the, the unmuddled, the unmixed strain. We represent the people who founded America. The Jews have no claim to it. And so, yeah, this is how these, these colors act. And if we're going to let them take over the best uh, portions of our country, uh, they deserve to have it. Well, that's I simple. tend to... That's, that's <coughs> biology's rule. Right. And well, we're going to have to fight back. We're going to lose it. Right. Well, Alex, what we have to factor into this equation is the tra tranquilizing effect of mass media and also Absolutely. the intimid intimid intimidation that Absolutely. it can uh, exercise on, on mass uh, well, populations. Mm -hmm. well, I've always said government, education, media, and that's what Baron von Hun said earlier today. You know, the government and the, and the media and the police are all enforcing against whites. No, don't stand up. No, don't fight back. No, we're not going to tell you the truth about what they're doing. And by God, you better not say anything or we'll put you in a cell. Well, these are the options. At some point, we have to put our lives on the line or at least our, our, our time of our lives on the line to, uh, to fight back or else we're going to be dispossessed. Okay, I want to thank you for listening to Goyfire. This was a great show. Uh, please also tune in to Celtic Rage, which is, uh, stay tuned. It's on VNN right after us. You can call in with your comments. This is Aegis wishing you the best of goodbyes.